is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. I am John Bucks, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Chin. Hey, Brian. What's up, what's up, what's up? Yeah, this episode, we are going to continue our preseason positional price deep dive with the midfield position. The center of the park tends to be where most FPL points are spread out, but there's huge variety between players that are really crushing it and those that are you know, getting the one or two pointers week in, week out. So Brian and I are going to evaluate a load of quality options across all the different price points from the super premium players all the way to the cheap budget options. But before we dive into the evaluations, we're going to quickly explain how FPL scoring works for midfielders, for any newbies or beginners, as well as provide our personal philosophy on setting up the heart of our squads. Brian, why don't you take this one away? Sure thing. So for midfielders, they get five points for a goal, which is just one less than defenders, three points for an assist, and one point for a clean sheet. It's definitely worth highlighting that the value of those attacking wingers and pseudo forwards, such as Hungman Sun and Mo Salah, have a lot of potential to get double digit returns. And this also kind of diminishes the importance of real time ballers on the pitch, like Nicolo Kante. Typically, you're going to want those attacking players and the defensive mids are not really going to be an option. Yeah, and also worth mentioning that penalty kick takers have huge upside. Uh, we saw this especially so mm-hmm. in the COVID season. Players like a Bruno Fernandez, uh, Ward Prowse, or even a Jorginho, they can just get easy points even when their team is being dominated in a match. So all goals count for five for the midfield position. We don't discriminate against any goals. So again, you want to just be mindful and know who the penalty kick takers, who's taking set pieces, etc. Jumping into one of my philosophies heading into the season, I think it's really important to figure out what kind of formation you want to use. Last year, I played a lot of 3-5-2, and I really tend to fall in love with those budget midfielders and like to swap them in and out. But I missed out on a lot of those cheap forwards last year scoring goals and picking up points up front. So this year... I'm going to stick to a 3-4-3 and try and have a couple premiums in my midfield. Salah is definitely one of those that I'm eyeing, and we'll get into some of the other premium mids that can really be captain shouts week in and week out. What about you, Bucks? What are you thinking going into the season? I want to echo what Brian's saying, but also just dive a little bit deeper, which is the first thing you really need to determine is how many premium players you're going to have in your squad. Now, let's say that we're not including Trent Alexander-Arnold. We're talking about players that are over $10 million in the budget. So I think for my team, having two players is going to be enough to start out because, I, again, my philosophy is I want to spread around the funds and spread around the talent mix. And I think, at least in the get-go of the season, both of those super premium players are going to be in my midfield. So... I'm probably going to be playing a 4-4-2. That's how I feel most comfortable. It gives me options to sub out players with tougher matchups each game week while also having you know, most of the players that I am spending additional funds on in my starting lineup week in, week out. So that's my philosophy. I'm going to be pretty balanced with the way that I spread my funds out and try and avoid, when possible, the super budget options such as a $4.5 million midfielder or a $4 million defender. But let's dive into it now. That makes a lot of sense, Bucks. I think there's definitely value trying to set up your lineup and optimize it week in and week out. And just thinking about 
trying to use less transfers on the premium midfielders is something that I want to kind of stick to as a rule of thumb this season. A lot of times, if you're trying to jump in and off of some of those premium players who may have tough fixtures, they're such good attacking assets that they end up hauling, you know, against a Liverpool, against a Chelsea anyway. So I think that's something to think of as well. So you can use your transfers elsewhere uh, because some of these guys are going to have such high ownership that it's just worth holding on to them. Obviously, we'll evaluate the, the schedule and some of the fixture changes throughout the season. Now we're going to talk about the super premium, big hitting midfielders. These are the guys that you want to optimize as captain shouts week in and week out. And I think the best place here to start is Mr. Mohamed Salah, the Egyptian king. Bucks, take us away. Yeah, Mohamed Salah is priced at $12.5 million. He is the most Ooh. expensive player in the game, but he's also probably the premier talisman player in FPL. Uh, at least he is to my eyes. So he's the first name in my team sheet this season. He was also that for last season. I just think even after scoring 22 goals and six assists for 231 FPL points, it's important to point out that that was his lowest output for the past five seasons. So he had so much more points that he was leaving on the pitch, match in, match out. So that's crazy just to think about. I think he's pretty much a strong captain option every game week because he plays so attacking. He takes penalty kicks and he just hates coming off the pitch. So he's always throwing hissy fits whenever Klopp subs him out. From an FPL manager perspective, you love that. You want guys that want to play, that want to contribute, and want to be in those big moments. So he's just gobbles up points left and right. So he's a, a lock in my team for sure. From my eye, last season, he really trickled the points in. He didn't have as many big double-digit hauls as he's had in seasons past, but he definitely had the chances. He had so many shots in the box, always passed the eye test. And I think, again, we think Liverpool is going to have a, a better bounce back season um, after their strong finish last campaign. And this is the guy in the middle. He's going to deliver you so many braces across the season. And those are the moments that you need to captain that player in those easy fixtures and get those 20, 24 point hauls from your captain. So Mosala definitely agree with you bucks. First man on my team sheet rested, you know, didn't play any European soccer. So that's also great to see. He's going to be fresh. He'll play against some of the defenders in the Premier League that have played in the Euros. So he could be very appealing to be streaking down the field and getting some cheeky goals to start the season. Yeah, he's just prolific. He scores so many different ways, and he fully justifies that high price point. Speaking of high price points, this next player, I was a little surprised to see coming so high, and that's Kevin De Bruyne at $12 million. Now, he's coming off of a relatively low scoring season, but he wasn't as healthy. And when he was on the pitch for a city, he was truly dominant. He is a beautiful player to watch. He is so skilled, a magician like in the midfield for that city team. And when he's when he's on the pitch, anything can happen. And that's that's a, one of the beauties of watching city uh, day in and day out for us last year. I think Bucks, we, we had a good run with KDB here and there, but. He did pick up a lot of injuries, so that's something to keep in mind that he does get knocked. You know, he's almost 30 years old, I believe, and this is something for us to, to monitor as he plays in a lot of heavily contested games, uh, both in the Premier League and also uh, Champions League. So what are your thoughts here on Mr. De Bruyne on City? 
Yeah, listen, he's priced as if he was coming off his 2019-2020 season where he just absolutely lit totally. He lit the FPL game on fire. This was before my time, admittedly, but he scored 251 points on 13 goals and 23 assists. So he has glimpses of where you can see that player where you know he takes that free kick, pass into the box, and it goes into the goal against PSG. I mean, he has those moments of brilliance. However, I think... Similar to a player like Neymar almost, KDB's at the point where the book might be out on him a little bit, where if you foul him, if you rough him up throughout the course of the game, he does kind of start slowing down. So I think that he's a wait and see for me. Obviously, if he starts the season hot, he'll be on many of our transfer dream kind of watch lists. However, I just want to see him healthy. I want to see him tied all together. And Pep Roulette is always going to be lingering with some of these city players. I think KDB is probably the most immune to that of any of the attacking options because he is so talented and such a talisman player for that side. Especially at the beginning of the season, right? They're going to be coming in with zero points in the table. So Pep will want to get off to a hot start. And I think having KDB start, you know, all those easy fixtures as well at the beginning of the season seems like a lock, whereas towards the back third of the season, especially if they're running away with the league again, or if they're kind of in deep in Champions League, he's going to be rotated quite a bit. So that's definitely something for um, FPL managers to consider. Yeah, one last thing on Kevin De Bruyne, and really this applies to all the City players, but there's rumors swirling pretty much every day, multiple times a day. You know, they've been reportedly tied to Jack Grealish, transfer news there for $100 million. There's also, you know, swirling reports about multiple top strikers. You know, I think both of those additions would really boost the value of KDB, whereas, you know, there are some other players where bringing in another big name will reduce their appeal. He's someone that if there are more players that need to be focused on week in, week out, it's only going to highlight his skills. So again, that's something to just wait and see um, regarding KDB. I think I'd like to see City get a striker. Uh, considering last year, Aguero was injured most of the season and on his way out of that squad. And then Jesus, same thing. So I think it'd be really interesting to see a prolific goal scorer that he can set up time and time again. Let's move on to the next player. Uh, he's a player that I think most FPL managers love. I have a bittersweet relationship with him. And that's Bruno Fernandez, who's also coming in this season at $12 million. Brian, you want to take this? Bruno, what a player he is for Manchester United. Bucks, I know you think he gets a lot of cheeky penalties and that inflates his points, but those those goals still count at the end of the day. Last year, 244 points from 18 goals and 14 assists. And, you know, they've just added uh, Sancho, who's another scorer potentially for Manchester United. And then also having all those attacking players alongside him to either you know, dish off for assists. Uh, I, I see them being top four once again. There's no reason why Manchester United shouldn't be there building off their success of last campaign. And he's one of the best free kickers in the world. He also, you know, he just has so many avenues to points, whether it's scoring goals, taking corners, taking those free kicks, and he plays a lot of minutes. Bucks, this guy just played in every single match. Ole did not want to rest him ever. And I, I sometimes I felt bad for him because there, there, he does go through stretches where he actually looks a little bit ragged because he's played so many minutes and they didn't want to bring in any other players. But, you know, last year, 
3,100 minutes. That's, that's big time, wow. but availability is a skill. Availability is a skill too for FPL managers. And he is nailed. And that's something that you cannot say about KDB throughout the course of the season. So Bruno, he looks like to be a, another great asset for FPL managers this season. Yeah, he's going to be rested too after kind of an earlier exit from the Euros. And he's going to be hungry. I think this whole Man United team is coming into this season extra motivated. They've seen what they can do finishing second in the league, but they still don't have that trophy with Ole at the helm. So I think Bruno is going to be extra motivated. Again, I just want to touch on some of the reasons I'm cool on Bruno. I think he had nine penalty goals. He is one of the best penalty kick takers in the whole world, in the whole game of football. But I just think that that's a lot of points that he's getting the easy route, let's say, on easy street. <laughs> so, but I mean, we've, we've watched a lot of Manchester United matches, though. They just get pens left and right between you know, Greenwood and Rashford, you know, handballs mixed in there. I still think he's going to convert upwards of six penalties this season. I don't think he's huge value, but he's worth the price point if you're going to stick with him for a long period of time. Agreed. And, and I think the partnership with Edison Cavani is something that wasn't made enough of last season. He great shout, great shout. He's going to be there from the start. They're going to have all this offseason to really work together. And you really saw how when they link up, it's just goals galore. So I think both of those players are in for big seasons. And I think, Brian, we're probably in the same mind that Bruno is going to be in our squad in all likelihood for match week one. Definitely, Buck. So moving to the next true premium at 12 million is Sadio Mane. Very interesting to see him come in at 12 million here, Bucks, and only be 0.5 less than Salah. If he came in at 11, then maybe there's more of a discussion of choosing one or the other. But at only half a million less, I really am not as excited about having him in my squad. With that being said, I did bring him in for the last game week. Tell him, Brian. Last year. Tell him. Capped him, got a huge return on that that brace from him. And I think he's such a streaky player. So to keep it, keep an eye on him. If he really looks in form and you have extra money, you're moving around to be taking Harry Kane out of your lineup or you're just freeing up some more money. It's a risky double up to bring Mane and Salah into your squad. But there are times throughout the season, especially when we're using some of our chips, that it might pay off. He's definitely a guy that you can see when he's visibly frustrated and some of his body language is not uh, that appealing for uh, FPL managers. And he still had, you know, 11 goals and 11 assists last season. I just don't think he's going to be in a lot of squads um, to start the year. Yeah, he had nine goals and 11 assists going into that final match of the season. So it's just very bizarre. I think FPL Towers, who are the group that come out with the pricing, have something against Sadio Mane because this is the second season in a row where he's going to be only 0.5 cheaper than his running mate, Mo Salah. You know, Brian mentioned the double up. The issue with playing both Mane and Salah is they don't really link up. One gets the assist, the other gets the goal. So it's really your, it's boom or bust. You're betting that one of them is going to go big and then you have to choose which one's captain. So that's even more of a, a decision and, and rolling the dice on getting that decision right. So Bucks, they don't have the bromance that uh, Harry Kane and Son have, right? Where they're connecting on a consistent basis and actually happy to you know, assist the other on their goal. So sometimes it gets a little bit uh, edgy out there when some of the glances and the looks from Mane to Salah and vice versa on some of those attacking counters and things of that nature that they missed all of last season. So 
be interesting to see if they've figured anything out in the offseason. Yeah, I, I think he's 11.5. At 11.5, you really have to take a long, hard look because then you have a full million dollars to, or excuse me, a million FPL value to spread out through your team. So anything above that, he's kind of a, a stay away for me. And I think that brings us really nicely to a player who's really having an incredible end to the season. He's really making his mark, which is Raheem Sterling, who comes in at 11 million. He had a fantastic run during the Euros. He really looked confident. And I think that's something with Sterling that wavered in the past. Southgate really put his faith in him and played him every single match, started him every single match. And I think that nailedness gave him confidence and he just looked awesome to me. It was very interesting to see him link up with Kane. And if Kane ever moved to City, you know, what kind of combination they could be because the the positions that he was getting in, going across goal, easy tap-ins, but just using his speed and his dribbling, really creating havoc. I think last year was a bit of a down season for him um, with only 10 goals and nine assists for a total of 154 points. He's got the talent, but I think it's the confidence and that that consistency. For me, not somebody I'm going to have straight away, but he's had higher scoring goal seasons in the past. And if he really starts to creep up with some top finishes early on, he's definitely an option. Yeah, I actually think Raheem is a a sneaky differential because he was arguably the best player for City in the Champions League final. He was clearly, if not the best, then one of the three best players for England, all Euros. He just looks the part right now. And I think that there's going to be a lot of FPL players who are doubling up on Mo Salah and KDB or Mo Salah and Bruno. And Raheem is kind of sneakily priced in a position where He's a great option, and he gives you those extra funds to spread elsewhere. City have some easier fixtures, as we've mentioned, and I just think that he's the go-to, and and he does play as like a real wing-forward hybrid. So I think he's going to have a lot of chances this season, especially if KDB is healthy and City don't bring in a premier forward. So just something, again, to monitor as we kind of have more certainty around the team sheets going into match week one. Just wanted to note that, you know, going back to the 2017-2018 campaign, you know, his history, he's usually 25 plus combined goals and assists and only had 19 last season. 2007-2018, 35, 18-19, he had 32 total goals and assists. And in 2019-2020, 20 goals, six assists. So, He's the type of player that once he has his momentum, he can usually carry it for a long time. And if he's got his confidence back after this Euros run, I think watch out. Absolutely. And that brings us nicely to another really streaky player last season, but someone who we also think is really hitting the prime of their career. And that's Youngman Sung. He's coming off a dazzling campaign for Spurs. And better still, he's going to have a full offseason of rest going into this coming season for Tottenham. I know, Brian, you love Sonny Boy, so I'm going to let you uh, wax and wane about uh, his allure and his upside coming into this season for FPL. Yeah, I mean, Son played the most minutes of his career last year and ended up with 17 goals and 11 assists, a huge campaign. But he did play, you know, about 600 more minutes than he ever has before. And given the lack of options in the Tottenham side last season, he had to play as all those minutes. And I think that's something that you definitely want to see from an eye test perspective. Is he making those runs? Is he making those long sprints? 
and Kane setting him up. If he is early in the season, he can definitely be a, a big factor in our FPL sides. I am a little bit, obviously, like the rest of us, wary that if Kane does leave, that kind of leaves him on an island. I don't see any other transfer talk or targets uh, for Spurs. So there's not a lot else to really catch your eye with that attacking roster at Spurs. So if they break up the dynamic duo, you know, the Batman Robin combo that had so many, they had so many matches last season where Kane and Son both had double digit hauls. Yeah. Right? So true. So many games where they both had a goal and assist and it was just FPL gold for managers who had doubled up on them. And I definitely had my share of missed opportunities uh, on that double up last season that cost me in some of those, uh, those matches. So I'm definitely bullish on him. It's, it's also kind of interesting that he's at 10 million, this price point, you know, there's no other player that you can directly swap to. You can always, you know, go down, but it is kind of interesting that there's not a one for one kind of other 10 million pound player. So that's just something to keep in mind too, that you might have to make a double move down the line to transfer him out for somebody more premium. Yeah. I think Jose Mourinho was like a revelation for Young Min Song's game. I mean, that counter-attacking style just fits his game so perfectly with his explosive speed, his willingness to make those decisive runs. And obviously him and Kane were, you know, magical together. I think that if Kane leaves, you actually think that Young Min Song might be the de facto number nine in the Spurs attack. So he might get more mm. he might get more lower quality chances, which from an FPL perspective could be promising. But you know that if Kane stays, that's really where he can maximize this this price point. So I agree with you. I think it's it's tough to figure out how you're going to make him fit in your squad if you have two other super premium players. But he's the one player that I'm kind of trying to figure out any machinations of ways to to stretch that budget to fit him in. He he just looks so good last season, and he's fully rested. Kind of love that. And he's just always smiling and having a good time. You know, every now and then he'll trip somebody or do something kind of shady, but then he'll have that that big old sunny boy smile. So he's a, he's a fun player to watch, and some of his his runs and his best goals are truly phenomenal. Now we're going to take a quick break before we head into our Velvet Rope Ballers section of the club, where we have the 9.5 to 8 million pound players. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to dive into the high-priced players that can't quite make it into the champagne VIP room, but are still skipping the line. So they're velvet rope ballers, and they're priced anywhere from 9.5 to 8 million. And we're going to start with a banger, and that's Marcus Rashford, priced at 9.5 million. He had a pretty tough season overall last year, yet he still ended up on 174 FPL points with 11 goals and 11 assists which is notably the same output as Sadio Mane. So he was the fifth highest scoring mid in the FPL game. With Bruno alongside him as a very expensive FPL price tag, I think Rashford and Sancho are going to be the kind of go-to route into Man United's side throughout the course of the FPL season. I think you're going to want to have probably one of those players maybe a forward and then a defender. That's kind of the way you're going to think about Man United from an FPL perspective. And, you know, some more differential-oriented players are going to have maybe two of those midfielders. So something to watch 
is that there are reports right now that post Euros, post final, he did undergo a shoulder surgery that's been a kind of lingering injury since I would say about game week 30. And so I would just be weary of having him back for the start of the season. I think Ole is going to give him rest with some of the recent uh, additions to the squad. And so I think Rashford is a, is a cross off for me to start the season, but he's definitely someone who I'm going to be monitoring uh, moving forward as we get into kind of when the games come fast and quick. Yeah. If he you know shows any sign of form, I'm going to be very enticed at his price point. Two and a half million cheaper than Hernandez is a lot of cash that you can spread across your team elsewhere, especially if he's going to get consistent goal scoring opportunities in this Manchester United side. Bruno, he went up from 10.5 to 12 million. So last year we had a lot of value in him. And this year he's truly a premium. So there's definitely going to be a time where you're going to think about potentially downgrading or going with Rashford instead up that money so we'll see what happens he's a quality player the shoulder thing is a wait and see uh coming off the injury you know we're gonna get tons of preseason matches and friendlies and get a lot of uh, intel to see how he's coming along with that okay and the next player we're gonna discuss is Riyad Mahrez he's priced at nine million and he's one of Brian's favorite FPL players and he had a banger of a season last one so Brian why don't you take this Oh man, oh man, I love me some some Mares. He's just such a talented player, and especially in Champions League, he was first choice starting 11. He posted nine goals and eight dimes last year in the route to 145 points. In seasons past, he's definitely been a rotation risk, but last season we actually saw him either starting or not playing at all because of how important he was to the squad, especially since they didn't have any strikers and Sterling kind of had a little bit of a down year. He really came on in a big way for Pep, um, especially you know, always cutting in on the right to his left foot and he can score goals from anywhere. And you, you love that as an option too. And I think he actually plays pretty well with KDB. They have similar skill sets, but Mars is definitely more of a goal scorer and has those curlers in him. So I think he's somebody that depending on how some of these early matches look like for City, he's really in a, a spot where He's playing a much more advanced on the right. I could definitely see him being a good differential, and he's going to start the season fresh. No Euros for him either, so I'll be interested to see how many minutes he gets. Early. Yeah, he's actually, just one quick thing, he's very different the way he scores his points. He scores them in bunches as opposed to last season. Mo Salah really, like you mentioned, kind of trickled in 8, 10 points week in, week out. Mares had, I believe, two where he was the player of the game week. He had uh, a hat trick and he also had uh, a brace during the course of last season where he was scoring huge numbers, you know, like 18, 20 point hauls. And that's legendary. Mm -hmm. So if he's playing and he's forward, he loves cutting inside and then taking that kind of curling shot to the far post. He's probably one of the best in the world at that. And City have a team especially, as we mentioned, if they make some of these additions that could maximize his talent and maximize the space that he gets each match. So he's someone to keep an eye on. And you know, talking about potential, I think that brings us really nicely to the next player, which is Kai Havertz, who's priced at $8.5 million. And you know, I think this is a tantalizing price, but I think so much of it has to do with your optimism or the way that you're thinking about Chelsea coming into this season 
and the potential of their attack uh, for this season as opposed to last. How quick you, how quickly your memory and you can forget kind of the wastefulness of the Chelsea attack last season. Kai, what a player! He's he's looking more of a goal scoring threat than our forward at Chelsea, than Timo Werner, and he had a great Euros. You know, had two or three goals, really looked the part, and. You know, last season, he only played about 1,500 minutes for Chelsea. So I'm very curious to see if he's going to be a regular starter and playing that false nine at times. It's going to be very interesting to see what he can do. And he's a young player. He came from the Bundesliga, and it's just a much more physical and demanding league. And going up against top center backs every game, top defenders, that grind is is truly you know different. So I think he's now that he's got a season under his belt, and he's got rapport built with the team. He could be somebody that might score a lot of goals for Chelsea this season. And they need it. Chelsea surprisingly won the Champions League, mostly based of, off of our great defense. But we did not score very many goals last year. And we had a lot of 1-0 victories. And those are obviously great. But it's, it's, it's a grind to keep winning all those types of close matches. So we really need to score two or three goals um, against some of these lower uh, teams in the table. I'm, I'm excited, though. I'm excited about his potential, and he's so young. He's got a lot of room for growth, and he looks the part, especially in this Yeah, game. it's amazing to think he only scored four goals in the Premier League at, with six assists, considering that he probably scored the most important goal for Chelsea in the last couple of seasons, which was that game winner uh, to put them up 1-0 on City in the Champions League final. So I think a lot of this belief from an FPL perspective has to be if you think that Chelsea is going to bring in a premium forward to kind of complete the squad, then Havertz might not be playing kind of the center top of the attack. And if he's playing as kind of the most attacking midfielder, he's probably not as exciting at this $8.5 million price. I think that's just something to be aware of and, and to be monitoring as we go into next season. Chelsea have one of the most difficult starts this season. So again, that means that the fixtures are going to turn when we get a couple matches in. So you'll have time to evaluate and be able to make a decision on whether Kai does earn a spot in your FPL squad. And another Chelsea player that we want to talk about is Captain America, Christian Pulisic. He is at $8 million, so only half a million cheaper than Kai. But for me, I'm just so worried about his little body, all his little injuries, his knocks, his hammies. Bucks, do you think he was in the weight room this summer? I, I saw him fishing. I saw him juggling the ball over some fish and falling into the water off a boat, but I didn't see him working out too much. And uh, I'm just a little bit, you know, I love his talents. He's obviously a passionate guy, and I think he's a, he's a future leader, obviously, of the U.S. men's national team. But for fantasy, he, I just can't, I just can't bring him into my squad because I know I'm going to have to likely waste another transfer if he's not producing or if he's uh, picks up an injury right right away, which has just been the story of his time at Chelsea. Yeah, I was almost as concerned when he fell onto that fish as when he got taken down in the Champions game for CONCACAF that he got injured. So he's just, <laughs> he's built of glass. I, it's, it's hard for me to say I love him. You know, we're both, we both live in America. We're both Americans through and through. And we also are both huge Chelsea supporters. So if there's a player that is just tailor-made for us to be tremendous fans of, it's Christian Pulisic. But for me, I need to see him play 150 minutes over the course of two back-to-back -back matches before I'm ever going to fully trust him as a Chelsea fan, 
but even more importantly for FPL. Mm -hmm. So he's great as a super sub, but that's not really what you're going to bank on for 8 million of your 100 million squad value from an FPL perspective. So it's a wait and see, I think, with the prices so close together. This is another situation where I think the 0.5 makes Kai that much more alluring. And so you just got to figure out how you can make that price work in your team, similar to Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. Next up, I want to talk about Jack Grealish. What a man he has become in England. I was kind of surprised with his lack of minutes on this England squad, obviously super deep, but he is one of the best players in the Premier League. And frankly, I think in the world when he's at the top of his game, he's coming in this season at 8 million and you know, he got a solid 1 million price rise after he totaled six goals and 12 assists last season. Um, you know, he did miss almost the last, you know, 10 or 12 matches and Villa really had a tough time without him with all the rumors about him potentially transferring to Manchester city. We're just going to have to wait and see box. I don't think there's anything that would you know, convince you to start with him in your squad. You don't get any bonus points for having the best-looking FPL starting 11. And if you did, Grealish would be probably in everyone's team. He's just a beautiful player. He's a beautiful man. I say that being married with a child. I'm very comfortable <laughs> in just saying how alluring he is. He, he looks the part of a proper English footballer. He's spectacular on the ball. He is one of those magicians a la Kevin De Bruyne. And to echo what Brian said, you really saw how important he was to Aston Villa when he was injured. The team really collapsed pretty much totally and completely without him on the field. As the offseason kind of ticks along, early on during the Euros, there was early reports that he was going to City for over $100 million. Now it seems like the momentum around that is dying down. And I think from an FPL perspective, that's good news. You want him to stay at Villa. You think that's really where he maximizes his input on the ball, his creativity. Next to a KDB, I feel like there's a little bit of redundancy there. So from an FPL perspective, if he's at Villa at $8 million to start the season, he's pretty much a must-go into my squad. I'll figure everything else out cascading from that change. But like you said, at this point in time, with so much uncertainty, with him still actively recovering, getting back into game shape, he's a wait-and-see for me. I'm definitely worried about his lack of goals. You know, only six goals in a campaign is a little bit light for me, especially if, you know, you're looking for those players that kind of spike those double digit hauls across a season. You know, if you are going to bring Jack in, you want to have him for almost, you know, the whole season. He's just going to trickle in points. He's going to get the odd assist here. He's going to pick up some bonus. So just be mindful of that is that, you know, he's not really a captain shout, but he is a player that if he's healthy, he's going to trickle the points in. And um, Villa looks so much better with him. Ollie Watkins had a, a major link up with him. I think they've grown in their their partnership. And, um, you know, I think also with Buendia coming into the side, who we'll talk about a little bit later, both of them are, you know, in those creative roles. Maybe that gives a little bit more freedom to, to Jack to press forward a little bit and maybe take a few more shots instead of trying to hold up the ball and always be crossing it into Watkins and their other players on Villa. So something to keep an eye on, and it'll be really interesting to see what, how this plays out. Yeah, it's, it's baffling to me as uh, someone who watches most of the games that Grealish does not take penalty kicks for Villa. He's just so talented. He, he has such <laughs> control of the ball that you would think from you know just a couple meters away, that's automatic. But uh, that's definitely something to monitor. The fact that he doesn't get those easy goals, he really 
he's a player who works hard to get his FPL points, but he still gets them. So I think that moves us on to our next English player, which is Phil Foden, who also comes in at 8 million. And Phil Foden is, he's so dazzling and he's such a spectacular goal scorer. It's just tempting to think of how good he really could be if he's fully unleashed by Pep Guardiola into the side. He only played 1,600 minutes last season, and I feel like he's just ready to emerge onto the scene as one of those premier goal-scoring wingers. I mean, if Pep just took those training wheels off, he really, the guy is so creative. He has such a nose for goal, and I really think he could have been the difference if he would have played as that false number nine earlier in the season and really unleashed. I mean, obviously City still won the league, but they, they were always searching for that player to really be the, the focal goal scorer. And I think Phil Foden has all the tools. He has all the ability to be able to be that player for City this coming season. You know, without Silva last year, I really thought that Foden was going to get a huge uptick in minutes. And it's just not in Pep's nature to play those young guys straight out of the box. He had 17 returns in 1,600 minutes. You know, if you extrapolate that to like 2,500 minutes, he's going to be way over 20, you know, 20 to 24 uh, combined goals and assists. So on one of the best teams at 8 million, I'm very, very tempted. And I haven't seen him in many teams. So it'll be interesting to see for, you know, FPL managers what Pep's early day lineups look like. But he's definitely going to be somebody who at the very least, He's on my, like, when I'm going to do my free hit, he will be on that list of, ooh, that's a player, like, I haven't owned, but I would love to own for, you know, one week. If tempting player. I hope uh, he's going to change his hair color after uh, <laughs> going for the Gaza look during the Euros. And we'll see if he's, you know, we'll see if he's more nailed than Mares. It'll be interesting to see because it's a $1 million difference. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the last player we're going to touch on in this Velvet Rope category. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to focus on the boom or bust price point, which is between 7.5 and 6.5 million. And now it's time for the boom or bust category of the 7.5 to 6.5 million dollar midfielders. And when I say dollar, I also mean pound. Same, same. But this is an American podcast. We're going to say both throughout the season. So bear with us. I think this is a very interesting price point of midfielders because if you can find one of these players and they really start to deliver value, you'll be in on them early, get price rises as they become more popular. And it's really that kind of price point where you can take some swings. You can take some calculated gambles based on the fixture swings for different teams, based on the player we're going to talk about right now, which is Pepe, who gets hot at the right time. So a lot of value can be found in this bracket. But don't fall in love with these guys. If they don't produce for three weeks in a row, be ready to swing somebody else into your team. And I think that's something that, obviously, the best FBL managers are able to do. Yeah, I think Pepe is is the embodiment of a boomer bust kind of player. He is incredibly streaky. He scored 10 goals and three assists last season, including back-to-back braces to finish the year. But it's actually surprising to see that he got a price reduction considering there's a lot of optimism around this Arsenal side going into the season. People feel like, you know, they're going to gel more, they're going to be more athletic, younger, and really bet bigger on players like Pepe who have this high upside. So I expect that he'll repeat and get double digit goals. But I think 
that there's just a lot of unknowns because you haven't really seen them play a full season together. And Pepe is, like we said, he's either all there or he's really all not there. He's a player who got red cards last season. He had fits where he just like throw his arms up and not get back into the play. So he's a very Arsenal player in that way. Let's just say that. <laughs> so uh, How kind of you, Bucks. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's still too many matches where he's just totally invisible. So for me, that's like a big red flag. But, you know, there's no denying his talent and the way that he looks towards goal. He's so quick and he's so attack-minded that, you know, he's kind of a, a great FPL player if you time it well, bring him into your squad. And I think Pepe, you know, he's 26. He's been in the Premier League now for about one and a half seasons. And so he's, he's used to the pace. He's used to the seeing the different defenses, getting kind of intel on the different squads. And it's really just being more consistent, which is why he's 7.5. But 10 goals and, you know, upside of maybe a 15-goal season if he really, you know, found the form and Arsenal improve, play from their young guys like Saka and Smith-Rowe in the midfield, linking up potentially with Obbs and Laka, who are pretty good passers in their in their own rights um, as those attacking forwards. So I'm really interested to see if Pepe can continue his momentum and bring a more consistent uh, game to uh, the FPL managers. And now, let's talk about Mr. Mason Mount. Bucks, this is your time. Open forum. Please confess your love. I know you have a bunch of love letters stuffed in a drawer in your uh, office there. Get time to get them out. Let's talk about one of Chelsea's finest players. Yeah, we really have to give credit where credit is due. This is arguably Lampard's greatest contribution to the club is bringing in Mason Mount and fully trusting him to be one of the first names on the team sheet. You know, I think he's one of the breakout stars for Chelsea and, and really just arguably the Premier League last season. He's an incredible player. He can score. He delivers creative service. And he's going to be nailed. He's going to play pretty much 90 minutes week in, week out. So that's something that's reliable. He probably has a lower ceiling than a player like Pepe, like a player like the next one that we're going to discuss, which is Diego Jota. But he has a much higher floor. You just know... He's going to be there and he's going to be contributing. And I think he only scored six goals and five assists last season. But if Chelsea were even moderately more clinical, you would have seen those numbers be much more significant than that. And, you know, I just, he played a lot of football, which obviously is a concern, but he's on young legs. So he's a true workhorse. I love the players who are kind of in the mud playing full 90 minutes week in, week out, and just showing that resiliency. And, you know, I'm not alone because Lampard, Tuchel, and Southgate all love him. So there's something to be said there. He's a special player. And I think over the course of his career, maybe he won't be an FPL legend, but I think all things are aligning for him to potentially be a club legend for Chelsea. And this is a player similar to Grealish from an FPL perspective that is just going to trickle the points in. So never going to be a captain option because he doesn't score that many goals, but is a player that if you hold him for a long stretch, he's going to deliver you points over the course of the season. So that's the kind of category and mindset that I would think of Mason Mountain. He was a top 10 in chances created for the entire Premier League last season. And if Chelsea can somehow in- increase their scoring output and their attacking finishing skills, then he'll have a lot more assists this upcoming season. Now we're going to move into a player who 
can run very, very hot and it could actually be a decent captain shout from time to time. That's Diogo Jota at 7.5 million bucks. What are your thoughts here? So I love Diego Jota from an FPL perspective. He's one of the players that in real life actually kind of drive me crazy because he's selfish to a point where it's like hard to watch imagining that you're one of his teammates. And we saw this, <laughs> we saw this on full display with uh, Ronaldo when he just totally ignored him when he was wide open for an easy tap in. But he's going to get many more minutes on Liverpool. And I think Brian and I are both high on Liverpool for this upcoming season. So I think that Diego Jota is priced so appealingly. If he plays 60 minutes more often than he plays 30 minutes, he's going to be, bang for your buck, one of the best FPL deals in the game at $7.5 million. Now, he ended on nine goals and zero assists, which kind of highlight that self. <laughs> zero. Yeah, that's a big donut. Gave you the old Brooklyn bagel. It's crazy to think that an attacking player that's next to Sadio Mane and Mo Salah could not have a single assist, even just by accident. But he managed to do that over the course of last season. But I think this is just a bet on Liverpool's attacking prowess. And the Salah or Mane Jota double up makes a lot more sense for me, FPL wise, than going kind of double Liverpool premium. Yeah, I really like that. He, like you said, he's he's a bit selfish, takes a lot of shots. He gets in the right spots, though, and he's definitely a player that, you know, even though he may not start, he scored braces in under 30 minutes before on Liverpool, and that's when he kind of jumped onto the scene as like, hey, you got to definitely take a look at getting this player in. With Firmino, a.k.a. Bobby Chompers, one year older, you know, I see a lot more minutes in the future for Jota, and they looked much more explosive you know, when, when he was in the lineup. So really curious to see, you know, how everything comes out of the gates for Liverpool and how they look um, from an attacking perspective. I, I just think they they missed so many chances last year that they had made you know, previously in their championship title run. And if that reverts a little bit more uh, this season to the mean, I think there are definitely goals in this side. So keep an eye there. Agreed. Let's go on to the next player in our lineup, which is Mason Greenwood, who's also priced at $7.5 million. Greenwood is another player. He runs hot and cold. I think there was a lot of optimism last year at the start of the season, and he kind of got off to a slow start, but he has uh, you know, a great right and left finish. He gets in the box. He gets a lot of chances created from Bruno. Definitely interested to see what the addition of uh, Sancho affects uh, his positioning, affects his minutes. So definitely a player on the watch list firmly there for now. But at 7.5, as we go through some of these other players, he's a viable option to be your third or fourth or fifth mid. So Somebody to to keep an eye on. Yeah, he's going to be more important for United as they look to bring home trophies. I think at least in the first half of the season, then he is going to be FPL relevant. But, you know, he's he's just a player who can storm onto the scene. So if he's given 90 minutes and you know about it beforehand because of injury, uh, he's a player who's likely to convert those chances into FPL points. Moving on, we have one Zaha at Crystal Palace. Now, this player is priced at $7 million and Bucks, they have a new manager this year, right? Yeah, Patrick Vieira. He actually uh, made a stint in the MLS. So if anyone doesn't know anything about him, that makes many of us football fans. But <laughs> he's, he's reported to be more attacking. I mean, that sounds good for a player like Willie Z. 
And uh, so did having Christian Benteke kind of really emerge as a goal-scoring force down the stretch run of last season. Kind of counting against Zaha is going to be that his running mate, Eze, is out with a long-term muscle injury and that he still plays for Crystal Palace. So I think this team overall is going to struggle for goals. They're going to struggle to get points over the course of the season. So at $7 million, I thought actually he would be price decreased the way with injuries and kind of he was there was so much optimism around his FPL potential last season and he really missed the mark. So I think seven million is still a little too rich for my blood uh, to bring Willie Z into my side. He did end on eleven goals and four assists last season, and I just can barely remember any of them. Didn't watch a lot of Crystal Palace uh, attacking moments throughout the season, and he's just also one of those players that he puts a stink face on and he gets a little aggressive. Definitely keen to pick up some yellow cards when things aren't going right for for him. And he's just one of those players who perennially you would just love to see at a different outfit, at a different uh, squad in the Premier League. But I've brought him in a few times and I haven't really enjoyed it because watching Crystal Palace build up, especially this season without Eze, who's coming um, you know, out with a long-term injury, I can't do it. So <laughs> that's that. Yeah, one of the things with FPL is it's fun to watch the players on your squad. And it's rarely fun to watch Crystal Palace unless you're watching Ted Lasso <laughs> Season 2. So uh, that's a quick plug for Apple TV. And now we can move on to the next players in our rundown, which is Madison and Barnes, the midfield duo at Leicester, who are both priced at $7 million. So Leicester coming in, you know, top four, top five in the table, year in and year out really over the last couple of years. And these are two of their, their main attacking players really cheaply priced. Barnes is probably more of the goal scorer when he runs hot, he can definitely, you know, pile up braces. Uh, whereas Madison, he's kind of a more trickling a few assists. He'll take a couple of shots from outside the box. You know, my choice of these two would be Barnes, but he does pick up some injuries around the season. Last year I brought him in and he got injured the, the very same week I brought him in. So I'm still having some PTSD from from that moment in time. But at $7 million, if Leicester, again, they look uh, sharp with Nacho, Nacho Man up top, and you know Vardy still kind of setting up some of those players in their kind of counterattacks, he's definitely one to, one to watch. I think that Leicester would have probably finished top four had both these players stayed healthy. And I think we'd be having a wholly different conversation about their FPL price and the way that both of their individual seasons went if they played closer to a full 38 because you know between them they had 17 goals and 12 assists which is that's like pretty strong with Madison having eight goals and seven assists he's kind of a low-key sneaky attacking player you think of him more like being the central organizer but he really does get forward and he has he has an amazing free kick touch so I just think these guys are both players to watch to start the season. You want to see that they're back healthy before you put your trust in them. But Leicester are a team that tend to get the most out of their players. And from FPL perspective, that's what you want. You want to maximize uh, your players' talents into proven results. So talking about results, let's talk about our next player, which is uh, Messi Lingard, the legend himself for FPL for uh, about 10 weeks of last season. I mean, his run was definitely one of the highlights of the season and something that I'll remember for a long time. 
to not play in 22 straight matches sitting on the bench for Manchester United and then to spring into the scene, get that loan out to West Ham. I just I just really hope he can secure a different uh, Premier League team and hopefully just be back at West Ham. I thought it was good business for for both of them. And he he's definitely a player that, especially with Sancho at, at Manchester United, I don't see how he gets onto the field really. So it would be great to see him back at West Ham. Nine goals and five assists in 17 freaking appearances. Oh, five double-digit hauls within that run as well. He was a captain option. He looked revived, and he just looked like he was having fun out there, which is much better than uh, sitting on the bench. Bucks, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, if he moves to West Ham, I think he's he's a steal. Um, he's so attack-minded, and like Brian said, he was a really strong attacking captain shot. I know I captained him two times, and he returned both times for me. So I just think that his potential is going to be totally wasted if he stays at United. He's definitely not going to be first choice. But I think that there's a lot of risk here because, again, there's so much unknown at this point in the offseason, and it seems like there's not the same I mean, I would think that United would just sell him, be off the books. They just brought in Sancho. Sancho's younger, probably has higher long-term potential for the squad. But uh, that's not the business that they're in the mix of doing right now. So West Ham, I think they're playing at Coy. They're waiting for to get really close to the season. And then they're going to snag him for like 17, 18 million. So we'll see what happens regarding Jesse Lingard. But he's someone to watch for sure. Yeah, one last thing. I think we saw him play a lot of minutes without Antonio on the pitch when he first came on. And he did have a more central attacking and goal scoring uh, role. So it will be interesting to see, you know, obviously with more reps and more time on the pitch with Antonio, how they start to link up and if they can really find a balanced partnership. The only thing is that's hard to do when Antonio is out, you know, for a third of every season with his hamstrings. So just something to keep in mind. But, you know, when he was not in the lineup, Lingard really, you know, had free run and took a lot of shots and was very attacking. So That'll be something that um, I'll keep an eye on as well. Now we're going to jump into one of our favorite FPL players who made his debut last season, the Brazilian blur, Rafinha. 6.5 million bucks. What are your thoughts on this guy? This is the most confusing FPL price reveal for sure because he is a player that I think both of us and I think most FPL pundits would say probably should be priced a little bit closer to 8 million rather than his 6.5 tally. So. He looked incredible. He plays for Leeds. They play this incredible pressing, attacking style. He certainly passes the eye test, and he's involved at the heart of all these chances that Leeds create. So if his finishing and if the team's finishing was better, he would have had even more assists than he did, and he had six goals and 10 assists. So, I mean, he's a lock on my team at this price. I think he's just priced at such a unavoidable at 6.5 million he's potentially a captain shout when you know Salah or Bruno have tough fixtures so he's priced right you can afford to bench him the odd week where he's playing a city or a Chelsea defense but just the way that leads line up the way that they attack the game he's always going to be a threat to put up FPL points so you love that absolutely a no-brainer locked in my squad for 16 total returns last season, and he you know, missed a few matches as well. 
6.5 is disrespectful. Straight up disrespectful, Bucks. So uh, he's he's locked in my game week one squad, and I think he's going to have uh, a big season. He's on free kicks. We saw a couple of free kick goals from him last year as well. And honestly, I can also remember him missing a bunch of goal opportunities as well. So if he can convert a few more of those, get into double-digit goals and assists, 6.5, absolute steal. He is definitely in both of our squads. Yeah, and that actually brings us nicely to another player who's currently getting a lot of disrespect, which is Bayako Saka. And listen, he's only 19. I think he has tremendous talent, and he's an incredible attacking winger. Just his mentality to be so young and to be willing to step up on the biggest possible stage to take a penalty kick for the England side in the final against Italy. I mean, kudos to this man. And, you know, we mentioned it before, but I think Arsenal are going to figure some things out this season. And Saka is someone who I'm buying a lot of his stock right now. I think people in general are a little low on him, but from an FPL and an Arsenal-centric perspective, he's everything. If he is producing, he's going to translate to Arsenal having a good season. So, you know, I think that he's going to start and play a lot this season for Arteta in the midfield. And I think that he's proven that he can line up nicely next to Lacazette and Aubameyang and still deliver. So he's someone who right now is in some of my early season drafts and he'll probably end up staying there. I just think he's proven what he can be in the Premier League. If he gets the minutes, if he gets the starts, he's going to bring it all together. Yeah, very interesting to see you be so bullish on Saka. Uh, Only five goals, five assists last season. He looks the part, but in Arteta's formations last year he played like a lot of wing back as well right it's like I want him to play just central midfielder role because he can do it obviously something that is attractive for you and just Arsenal fans in general he has a pretty high work rate gets up and down the pitch fresh teenager legs still being 19 with lots of uh, you know pressure mounted on him but I think he can rise to the occasion and is somebody that I will be keeping an eye on yeah just one thing on that you make a good point about how Arteta used him a lot of last season but I think that Southgate really unlocked something with the way that he trusted Saka in the Euros. And he played him as part of the front three, kind of almost in a Phil Foden type role or Riyad Mahrez type role on the wing. And he was getting forward. He was a nightmare for opposing backs. And, you know, I just think that he's a very creative player with speed and with finishing prowess. So at 19, going into his 20th year on the planet, I think he's going to be producing. Uh, for FPL managers who back him. And now we're going to jump into our last player in this bracket here, which is Buendia. Let's let's have a Buendia. Come on, Bucks. What do we think here about this guy moving from Norwich? You know, he's somebody that is very creative, and I could see if Jack leaves, he'll be you know their main central talisman hub to create opportunities for Ollie Watkins and some of their other players. But if Jack stays, I'm not really clear what his role will be. So early on, I'll be thinking of just, you know, watching some of the games, seeing how they line up together. And like a lot of these, um, these evaluations we have right now, there are still transfers that are going to happen and we'll have to keep an eye on those to give you further information. Wendia is, is just a bet on Grealish not being in the side right now. I think This is going to be my second FPL season, but one thing I learned from my rookie season is to put your faith in certainty and past performance. And I think Buendia is 
he's almost similar to Timo Werner from last season, that people are hearing all this praise and hearing all of this highlights, but they're, you know, they've never actually watched a Norwich game in the championship. So, you know, I think he's a player that's, it's all, it's all smoke and mirrors at this point. I'm not going to be back him at this point. Once I know a little bit more about how Villa are going to line up and we, we see what that squad actually looks like come start of the season, he might be someone that I bring in. But I think in general, I want, I want new players to the Premier League to prove it before I'm going to bring them into my FPL squad. That's some great analysis right there, Bucks, to pass on to the listeners. So right now we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back with our budget options to round out your midfields. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are going to touch on the last segment of the midfield block, which is going to be the budget-friendly options priced between 6 and $4.5 million. And to start us out, it's another Leeds player. Jack Harrison, who had a big season last campaign for Bielsa. He's priced 0.5 million cheaper than Rafinha and 0.5 more than another player we're going to discuss, Stuart Dallas, who made the move officially from defender to midfield for this coming FPL season. You know, there's a lot of noise that he did outscore Rafinha last season, but I think a lot of that can be chalked up to availability rather than pure ability. Uh, From what we saw on the pitch, Rafinha is definitely the better option. That being said, Harrison did score eight goals and 10 assists, and he is a lock to start. So at $6 he is very appealing. I think there's going to be a lot of FPL managers doing the leads double up in midfield because they are priced at such a kind of palatable place. But it's worth mentioning, leads do have some tough fixtures to open up this season. So for now, he's not going to make the cut on my squad. Brian, what are you thinking here? I am very surprised that he came in at six. Just like we talked about Rafinha, I thought Rafinha would be at least seven, and then Harrison would be 6.5. With 18 returns last season, that's pretty incredible at a $6 million price point. So for me, he's a little bit more goal-hungry in that midfield. So once the fixtures turn a little bit, I'm 100% looking at a double-up on the Leeds attack. And you know they have the capability of scoring three goals in any single game against any opponent and he's going to be involved. So at 6 million, it's a very you know palatable spend level where you could also just bench him if it's a tough fixture. So the double up on leads is something I'm considering. Yeah. Bamford being priced at 8 million with Rafinha and Harrison being priced at 6.5 and 6 million respectively. It, it makes the avenue to get into the leads FPL point seem like the smart route is to go into the midfield. That brings us to our next player, which is Saar from Watford, also at $6 million. You know, I didn't watch a lot of Watford when they were in the Premier League, and I definitely didn't watch them when they were in the championship. But, you know, all reports say that he's basically a one-man offense for Watford, who are a more defensive-minded team. And he was successful when they were last up. He scored five goals and seven assists in 2019 campaign. So, you know, they have a favorable fixture run for the first six to seven game weeks. So he's actually, I think he has quality risk reward opportunity here to be an FPL starlet because he's priced cheap. And again, he might even be on penalty kicks. So that's just an added carrot for potential points early in the season. And, you know, if he starts out hot, he is going to have a small price rise because he is a little bit of an unknown coming back into the Premier League. 
So he's a player that I am targeting, but again, I think he's probably more on my short watch list than he is necessarily nailed in my squad. Yeah, Sar has a lot of quality in his game. Only 23 years old, got a little taste of the Premier League a few seasons ago, and they were the first ones to beat Liverpool in that season when he had uh, the brace and looked incredible. So for him in this next phase of his career at Watford, especially this season, it just needs to become more consistent. But he has all the tools to be a real big-time player for Watford. So very short list for me as well. I just I kind of like some of these guys at the six and a half to six million range. So I will be definitely considering him. Um, and like you said, the fixtures are pretty, pretty um, nice to start the season. So he could be an early you know price riser where you build a lot of value if he comes out hot. Speaking of hot, some other player that was hotter than Wasabi at the end of last season is Joe Willock. The Newcastle man on loan from Arsenal Bucks. What are you seeing from his game? Yeah, this is a surprising price, I thought as well. Six million, and he's classified as a midfielder again, even though it just came out that the second loan move is going to happen and go through for Newcastle. Oh, so I, I didn't hear that yet. That's that's makes kind of Joe Willock have serious consideration as an FPL player. He was probably the best player in the whole league and in the whole game for the final eight game weeks of the season. He had a stretch where he had eight goals in eight game weeks, which was just remarkable because most of those games, he was actually coming on as a super sub. So he was critical to keep Newcastle out of relegation. He's kind of out of favor with the Arsenal higher-ups, even though he's still young. I think actually he has a lot of value potentially to a team like Arsenal if they ever get back into European competition. They probably want a player like him to be part of their match squad. But... You know, he basically plays as a second forward. For So to get a player at $6 million who's going to be very attacking and is probably going to be playing more this season than he did last, again, he's shown, he's proven that he can be a Premier League goal scorer. So, you know, I think he's another player who's probably going to be fighting for, for rotation into my squad uh, early season. And then as we get into the meat and potatoes, when some of the other top teams are are having match pile up. So that's Joe Willick. He's just a proven goal scorer. And he's 21 years old. And I think with the amount of reps that he's going to get alongside Callum, the truth Wilson this season, they could actually have a pretty good little attack force there. St. Maximum in the midfield, helping press the ball up forward. And he's finished very clinically, you know, even took a couple pens at the end of the season. So he's a player that I definitely overlooked because Newcastle is so dreadful, but at these price ranges, when you're looking at kind of that six to 6.5, this is where you take a punt on a player on Watford, a player on, you know, Norwich, a player on Newcastle, because you can always quickly jump off of them and go to a different one. But if you hit and strike gold, this can really deliver a lot of value to your team as a differential that other managers don't have. Yeah. Willick is just so much better than Joe Linton from a finishing perspective that, I think Newcastle fans will riot in the streets if Willick is not playing more this season. All right, moving on to a couple more of the 5.5 midfielders. I just want to shout out Smith Rowe on Arsenal, another young player. He's been seen wearing the number 10 in training for them, so you would think he's going to be a very important player. And it's just part of their Arteta embracing their youth movement, getting those younger players a lot of reps because that's how they're going to you know progress as a team 
Um, they have to ride these players, get them the reps, and then in a few years, they're really going to be in a, a, a better spot. So he's a player that at 5.5, it's a wait and see, but he could be offering value. You know, I had him on my bench last season, and he came off a few times and had a, a few big performances. Actually nabbed a brace, and just kind of surprising player um, that I didn't know that much about. So he was bench fodder last year at 4.5. His price is now 5.5. So somebody to keep an eye on um, if, if he becomes one of Arsenal's best players. Yeah, next on the list is Stuart Dallas. He's also 5.5 million. This is an interesting correction from the FPL game. He's now correctly classified as a midfielder. He was playing as a midfielder, but classified as a defender last season. And he was prolific. He had eight goals and three assists and a bunch of clean sheets. Just important to note that he's not going to have the same success this season from an FPL perspective because he's not going to get those four points for a clean sheet when it happens. So he's going to have a much lower ceiling. He's not going to get those 12 or 15 point outputs on a regular basis. And so, you know, I think he's priced properly at 5.5 million, but he's just to stay away. I think Rafinha and Jack Harrison provide so much more value, slightly more expensive uh, up the totem pole. Yeah. He's no longer an FPL option at 5.5, but he was such a handsome devil that delivered us legendary hauls last season. So we had to shout him out and, um, you know, obviously with the change to midfielder, it's just not going to be the same amount of points because Lee's actually kept a, a fair number of clean sheets. And surprisingly, he, he racked up um, some attacking returns too. So farewell to you, Dallas. That was an ode to the seasons past. Yeah, we need to just protect uh, the FPL community to make sure that they don't uh, make the same mistakes that they've made in the past or, you know, newbies coming in and seeing that you know, why is Stuart Dallas so high on the midfielder <laughs> rankings? Uh, this is why he was a defender last season. He got a lot of free bunny points uh, from clean sheets. I'd be surprised if he's over 120 points as a midfielder uh, from an FPL perspective. Bucks, we are men of the people. So rightfully, we will identify whatever fallacies we see across the game and players to stay away from as well. We have one more player at 5.5 that... You want to shout out, I don't know anything about this guy, so uh, enlighten me. Yeah, so it's a player on Brentford, and Embuemo is at 5.5 million. He's a high-risk, high-reward player, and if you don't know, Brentford is a team that's all about analytics. They're basically the money ball of English football, so they're very attacking. They go for bust every match. They're kind of like Bielsa's led leads in that regards. But they don't keep any clean sheets. They play a lot of 4-2, 4-3 matches. And this Emblemo guy is basically their second forward next to Ivan Tony. So I think at 5.5, he's very differential. And Brentford have some appealing fixtures to open up the season. So he's going to be a watch list for me. But I just think if he scores goals, if he is in fact kind of setting up his line mate, Tony, 5.5 million is is a great price to get kind of this oft-owned player and and this player who is going to be putting up points. So he seems like he's a lock in the squad and someone who you should just be keeping in the back of your mind for when you need that wild card, when you need that free hit uh, coming through this coming season. And if you own him and he returns points, you can just yell, Boimo, Boimo, Boimo. <laughs> nice. All right, let's finish it off. We want to just touch on the 4.5 million 
true budget midfielders. These are players that, you know, they're not really going to be big point scorers. They're probably going to get you two or three points if they, in fact, come into your starting lineup. If, you know, someone gets injured or a defender gets rotated out and they're on your bench, you know they're going to be playing. So you have the upside there, but really you're going to be targeting these players because they're going to unlock you to spend more on your other outfield players. I think it's important to note here at the 4.5 million price tag, the defenders offer a ton more value, right? So you you want to rely on those 4.5 million defenders to consistently rotate into your team because they can get a clean sheet, maybe they can get a goal. But these 4.5 million midfielders, they're just really going to come in to give you two or three points. So not much upside. Um, somebody that you know can round out your team if you have a lot of premiums in there. But some players that we took note of is Basuma. He played a ton for Brighton last year. He was one of my bench fodder guys. Uh, Gibbs White at Wolverhampton. He's a young player who could potentially you know unlock uh, some more minutes with a new manager. Another player that we're happy to see getting more minutes hopefully this upcoming season, Billy Gilmore at Norwich on loan from Chelsea. Those are a few that we want to shout out. Bucks, do you have anybody else? Yeah, player on Burnley, Brownhill, he's very similar to Gibbs White. He's a little more attack-minded, and he's nailed in the squad, but he plays for Burnley. So, again, probably a, a punt there. And uh, Oriol Romeu for Southampton, he is nailed, and he did have a number of attacking contributions last season. But, again, it's do you want to be betting uh, your kind of rotation player uh, as someone who's playing for Southampton, he's not going to be kind of bagging goals left and right. And so I think the big takeaway here is that these players are on your squad to be your third or second bench position. If you have them and you really have a squad where you don't have four midfielders or three premium midfielders that are going to be locked in, you're going to be playing a 4-3-3 presumably that each and every match week then these are players who probably shouldn't be sniffing your squad. So that's just something to to point out for any novice players or any veterans who are looking to kind of switch up their strategy going into this season. You know, at this point, I think we've said all there could be said about the midfield position. Thank you for listening to our midfielder price bracket breakdown pod. Forward price reveals and evaluations are coming soon. And thanks again, as Buck said, for joining us. That was a bit of a marathon. I got a couple of beads of sweat on my forehead, but exciting times to dive into the midfielders. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FPL Blues Podcast. And uh, like Buck said, hit the subscribe button. Join us for this journey. Can't wait for the season, which is just about a month away. FPL Blues Podcast will be coming back at you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.